0: Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit Podcast. This podcast is made to feature classic Baptist preachers of the past and introduce you to Baptist preachers in the present. We pray that the preaching today will be a blessing to you. Our classic speaker from the past on the Baptist pulpit Today is from Pastor Roy Thompson. This is the pastor I grew up under, and it is a privilege to have him featured on the Baptist pulpit. He was born in 1933, passed away in 2010. At age uh, 14, Pastor Roy Thompson stole his big brother's wallet, used the driver's license to join the army. Soon he wrote his mother, and he broke the news, and she turned him in. And the army imprisoned him for three months, then sent him home. He uh, grew up on kind of the streets in the Akron area. His dad was an alcoholic, and through God's grace, he was saved, and God called him into the gospel ministry. started Cleveland Baptist Church, and God had blessed it and is still blessing it. Pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you listen to it.
1: Because I'm preaching about Jesus today, about the living Word and the written Word of God. Turn in your Bibles, please, to First Peter chapter two. Thank you for that wonderful music. I don't believe I've ever seen our congregation on Sunday morning so attentive to the song, and uh, so many people just kind of shaking their heads. I like that. Singing about Jesus, somebody singing, "Yeah, Calvary, that's where He died for me." That's where he died for me. God forbid that we'd ever forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. I want to read just verse 6 for our text today. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I want to take the phrase contained in the Scripture. You know, the Scriptures exceed all other writings for a number of reasons. I'd like to mention just a few. They do because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It doesn't say about any other book. No other book even makes that claim. The Bible is unique in that claim. All Scripture, it is contained in the Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Secondly, because the wisdom contained therein is far superior to the wisdom of any man or men. Now, I read to you from James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For envying and strife is there's confusion, every evil work. I was not going to say anything about this, but I must. I think we have seen the epitome of, of the depth of man's wisdom the last couple of days. It is a shame to this country, to this nation, to decent men and women and to their families that on public airways such things should be said and discussed is a rotten shame and a black mark against our nation. It is man's wisdom and it is confusion and it is uh, envy and it is earthly and it is sensual, and it is devilish. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And so the Scriptures exceed all other writings because they were inspired by the blessed Holy Spirit of God. They exceed all other writings because the wisdom contained therein is far superior to the wisdom of any man or men. They also are superior to any other writings because they contain things that no other writings contain. Pure things. Deep things. Perfect things immutable things and prophetic utterances. All that is necessary to faith and life is found in the pages of this book we call the Holy Bible or the Holy Scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul said to Timothy, Thou hast known the Scriptures from a youth up. They are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Also the Scriptures describe God to us as no other writings. They talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the preeminence of Him, His preexistence, His virgin birth, His sinless life, His sacrificial death, and His glorious resurrection. I would like to point out two things concerning my text in verse 6. We have talked about the scriptures or the written word but my message concerns the living word of which this verse speaks of when it says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or confused. I would point out just two things. First of all, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Secondly, Jesus Christ, the sure foundation. Christianity As a system or as a religion, I would like to address, first of all, by saying that Jesus Christ is the cardinal truth of the system. You do not have Christianity without Jesus Christ. There is no such thing. It is is an impossibility. I sometimes uh, find humor in the feeble efforts of man. Not that I'm against some of the things they do, but people keep saying, let's keep Christ in Christmas you can't take him out. <laughs> there is no Christmas without Jesus Christ. You can't even say the name of the day without saying his name contained therein. And you don't put Jesus Christ back into Christmas because you can't take him out. In fact, you don't put him anywhere. He is the sovereign God himself. And Jesus Christ is the cardinal truth of the whole system of Christianity. Jesus Christ is the central truth of Christianity. We may be wrong about a number of things in our various denominations, so to speak. We We may be wrong or disagree on a number of interpretations of scriptures. We had a very difficult lesson in Sunday school today. I thought in my class it was taught superbly. And if you think I'm being boastful, I did not teach it this morning if you were not here in the class. But uh, Brother Ron Nelson taught a lesson, which there's much controversy about. And I understand the controversy, and I understand the different interpretations of it. And it is a difficult and deep parable that our Lord Jesus taught. But he taught it superbly. But we could disagree on that. We could say, I don't see that exactly the way Brother Nelson taught it. Or "I, I may teach it another way, and you would not agree with me. You have You may have your own interpretation. We have that freedom as Baptists. We we do not require that we agree on every minor point or every interpretation of every scripture in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is of no private interpretation. The same Holy Spirit that leads my mind can lead your mind. The same Holy Spirit that indwells my body, if you're a believer, indwells your body. The same Holy Ghost that teaches me will teach you And so we believe in that. But there are some things about Christianity, what we call the central truth, that cannot be disagreed upon. There there is no room for disagreement. There is no room for disagreement on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. There is no room for disagreement on the sinless life of Jesus Christ, that there was no sin in Him. There can be no disagreement on the fact that Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross of Calvary and paid the price for my sins. There can be no disagreement on the fact that he was buried and arose again the third day for my justification or salvation. That is what I'm talking about, that Jesus Christ is the central truth of Christianity. And Jesus Christ is also the all-comprehensive truth of Christianity. Now, if you do not know what I mean by that, let me explain it by two simple illustrations. First of all, when I say Jesus Christ is essential to Christianity, may I use some illustrations? Plato is not essential to Platoism. If we knew nothing about the birth of Plato or the death of Plato, it wouldn't matter. If his writings writings came to us and to our attention and were taught in our universities anonymously, it would make little difference. Because Plato said to his students, accept my ideas. Now the same thing can be said about Confucianism. If we knew nothing of Confucius, of his birth, his life, or his death, if his writings came to us anonymously, it would be said by Confucius, accept my philosophy. If we talk about Mohammedism, it would make little difference if we knew much about Mohammed. Because Mohammed would say, accept my teachings. May I illustrate it even in a political realm? If we knew nothing of Lenin, Lenin is not essential to communism. That's why communism lived even though he was dead. What Lenin said was, accept my ideology. If you follow the cult movements in our country around the world, little is to be made known of their founders. What they're really saying is, accept my theology. But Jesus Christ said, accept me. And that's where the whole difference lies. We do not have a dead Christ and a dead body and a tomb with rotting bones in it where we bow our knee and accept our Savior. We bow... We bow at a cross that has no Christ on it. (laughs) We bow at a tomb that is empty. We bow our knee to the lordship of the living Christ. Who died in our place. And conquered death and sin and hell. When he came out of the grave. And even today is seated at the right hand of God the Father. To make intercession for all those that will come unto God by him. Secondly I mean. By the fact that Jesus Christ is the all comprehensive truth of Christianity, it means the same as the tree is to the branches. The tree throws itself out into the branches. There can be no more in the branches than there is in the tree. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. We have nothing without Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ is the sure foundation. He is not only the chief cornerstone, but he is the sure foundation. I suppose this scripture came to my mind and the thoughts for this message because once again, after all of these years, we are involved in a building project of some size here in our church. I'm excited about it. I may not show my excitement sometime, but it seems like I find myself roaming out to the back of the lot a whole lot more than I used to. And it is not to check up on our men to see whether they're working or not because they have worked diligently. They have done much more than could be expected of anybody working on a job. It's just that I go back there to dream just a little bit, to, to try to imagine in my mind what the completed project is going to look, uh, look like. And imagine in my mind young people going in and out of that building five days a week to receive not only the education that is necessary but to learn more about Jesus every day, to become closer to Him and to fall in love with Him all over every day. And then I see in my mind's eyes as that building is completed The parking lot cleared as the buses will now pull back there and we'll be able to make room for as many as 800 more young people in our Sunday school, bringing hundreds more in on the buses and in cars to receive the instruction and to hear the gospel of Christ to receive salvation before their lives are ruined. Again, last week in our Heritage Christian School uh, chapel class in, in the senior high, I was privileged to be there, and one of our young men gave a testimony of his salvation at a very young age, I think about four years old, and talking about conversion and salvation and remembering that occurrence and that, and that time in his life when he turned his little heart over to Jesus Christ. And now as a grown young man, he brought out, I'm glad that God saved me from a life of sin. And I thought how wonderful the grace of God is as he took that little four-year-old boy and turned him into a man for God and saved him from all those marks upon his life. And then I was reminded in my own heart of a boyhood where he had no father to love or to be loved by him, one that even told him he should not have lived, he should not be there, uh, he, he is not loved, he's hated. And then to live a life of extreme poverty as a street person, with my sainted mother, and to go through that kind of life and then turn to alcohol myself. I think of how the grace of God came down and saved me out of that sin. What a marvelous and wonderful thing it is. And I thought of how many young people maybe through the efforts of our people giving and tithing and sacrificing and building another building, winning more young people to Christ, bringing more to the Savior, making more opportunities what an exciting thing that is. I think it brought this scripture to mind as I went back there and I saw from the very first when the men began to dig the foundation and how with the instruments they have finding the exact location within a quarter of an inch where to lay, where to pour that concrete and then to lay that first block and to, and to put that cornerstone on the foundation that was laid. The strong, sure, solid cement, uh, reinforced steel uh, foundation that that, that that whole building is going to rest upon. And, and I was amazed at that. And I'm thinking about how a stone lies upon, upon the foundation and, and the mason puts it there. And, and what a wonderful thing that is. And that's, what, just, what, that's just what God Almighty did. He took this, he took this chief cornerstone his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and made him to rest upon that sure foundation, the word of God and the revelation of God and the plan and program of God. He is a stone, a stone lies upon the, fo- upon the foundation, a- and a stone rests upon the foundation. And that is faith, uh, in our faith, complete reliance on Christ for everything. That's where we have to be in our lesson we learned this morning. What a dangerous it th- what a dangerous thing it is for a rich man to rest his confidence upon his wealth. Jesus said, "It's impossible for a man to be saved as long as he is putting his confidence in his wealth." You see, now with God it's possible, with man it's impossible. What we must do is put our complete reliance upon Jesus Christ. I can think of nothing today. I can think of no reason today why Roy Thompson deserves to go to heaven. Not one single reason. You say, well, Pastor, you've labored here faithfully for almost 34 years. (laughs) You've done this and you've done that. and, And sometimes preachers seem to get into a bragging competition with each other. I tell you, I've done nothing to get myself to heaven. I have done nothing, accomplished nothing. I am nothing. When it comes to relying upon getting myself to heaven. My complete reliance. My entire reliance must be upon what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross of Calvary. A stone rests upon the foundation. A well-built stone gets to be one with the foundation. That's an amazing thing. I see those blocks and bricks out there. They are separate, easy to lift, easy to pick up easy to transfer about 1 or 2 or 3 or 4 or 6 or 8 at a time once the mortar has been put down and that block is laid upon the foundation and that mortar dries that block that that cornerstone that brick it becomes one with the foundation and before you know it it's it's impossible almost to tell the difference between the cornerstone and the foundation i tell you As we grow in grace, people ought to see more of Christ in us. They ought to see that we've been united with him, that we are one with him, that we are built upon that foundation, that our life is like his life, that our speech is like his speech, that our love and compassion is like him, so that when they see me, they see Jesus. That's what we need to have. And then it says concerning the believer in this one verse, he that believeth on him, shall not be confounded or confused. That is, he's not be he's not to be confused about what Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, the chief found, corner, uh, the chief foundation. That's what he shouldn't be confused about. There should you know, there may be confusion in our minds about a lot of things. I tell you, we live in a very complex time. <clears throat> I mean, we are we we. we uh, we have access to so much knowledge and so much wisdom and so much technology and so many things that are going on, that it's very confusing. <laughs> are you not confused about uh, the things you read in the paper? About T- take health, for instance. I mean, I read in the paper one day that you ought to eat this and eat this and eat this is good for you. Two years later, saying it's bad for you. it's going to kill you. I mean, you you can read one book and read another book and they're completely opposite. I mean, it's very confusing. Everything's very confusing. And you may, you may be, read one book about how to raise your children and then ra- read another book completely opposite. They both make sense. I'm all confused. I don't know which one to follow. Don't follow either, follow either one. Follow the book. There's no confusion in the book. There's no confusion in the written Word of God. There's no confusion in the living Word of God. They testify of each other. They are the same as it were. You cannot tell the difference in one and the other if we would so permeate our lives with the philosophy and teachings of the Word of God and say by His grace, I'm going to live by Him, we would not be confused. That's what he said. But there's one thing for sure that we're not going to be confused about. If we have attached ourselves to the chief cornerstone, if we have attached ourselves to the sure foundation there's one thing we're not going to be confused about and that is the lord jesus christ himself all kinds of teachings out there about jesus every kind every cult has every and, and of course this is where we separate company every cult has their own teaching i know people they they brag about Mormons. they say aren't these wonderful people isn't this a great church aren't they doing so much good and don't these young men look so fine and aren't they dressed nice and and, and, and they're out busy on missionary work spreading the lie of the devil. Saying that Jesus Christ was a son of one of the gods, Elohim. And that while Jesus Christ was on this earth, he was married and had a family and had children. The lies they spread about Jesus Christ are devastating, beloved. Jehovah Witness the same thing. The cults are the same thing. There's one thing. That we will never be confused about if we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And that's about Him. I may be confused about some preachers. I may be confused about some denominations and churches. I may be confused about some friends. I may be confused about some things that I even believe or try to believe. But there's one thing that I'm sure of. Jesus Christ. The same yesterday. Today. And forever the sure foundation the chief cornerstone so turn the lions loose let them make their threats we are feeble men I am a feeble man but I will not leave my master Jesus Christ is my Lord so often people ask questions as a Christian and I think a lot of unsaved people ask this same question. Why is he or she suffering so much if they're saved? If they know the Lord Jesus Christ, if they're a Christian. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've said so much, and maybe it's to say it too much, but to just remind you of those things that the television ministries are all health and wealth gospel. They paint a false and lying picture of Christianity. If you're saved, you're going to be healthy. That is not true necessarily. If you're saved, you're going to be wealthy. That's absolutely not true necessarily. It doesn't mean that you can't be saved and be healthy. It doesn't mean that you can't be saved and be wealthy. It means that it has nothing to do with it. Health or wealth has nothing to do. Jesus was poor. Paul was sick. Uh, John suffered great indignity and was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ and preaching of the gospel as many of our forefathers have been. So it has nothing to do with it. But I know it puzzles unsaved people and even puzzles Christians. You may be one here this morning. You say, well, preacher, I've suffered a lot. I'm discouraged. I'm ready to give up. You may be an unsaved man or woman say, well, I've seen Christians suffer. If that's what it's going to be to be a Christian, I don't want to be. Let me tell you this story that I heard decades ago. And the reason it was brought to my mind is because of our building out here. I heard when I was just a young man and first got saved, Dr. B.R. can tell an illustration. I don't know if it was his or he got it somewhere else. It makes no difference. He said a large building was being built. And uh, someone was questioning the, the, the masons, the bricklayers up on top. I mean, a large building, like a big business building, not just, not just little blocks or, or so on, but huge ones that were going up there. And here was a man down here that had some a, a large piece of granite, and he was chipping and doing this and that and the other thing. And a curiosity seeker came up and said, What are you doing to that piece of granite? And the man there was somewhat of a sculptor. And he said, Well, I'm chipping away at it down here so it will fit in its place up there. Out here in our building now, if you'll notice the the on the ends of the building we have much more. Some of it's going higher than that on the on the second phase, but that goes up to a peak. And what the what the Masons do down on the ground is they have to take those square or oblong blocks of bricks and they have to cut them. They saw them, they chip them as it were, into the into the shape of the peak of the building going up there. And so they could very well say down on the ground with their grinding machine as they cut it out and measure it. We're cutting it down here. We're chipping away at it down here so it will fit up there. My dear folks, God's working on us. The kids have a little song that says, He's still working on me. And what God is doing, whatever it may be, through sickness, through hard times, through disappointments, God is making me ready to fit in up there whatever comes trials troubles persecutions misunderstandings unhappiness just remember that God's working on you he's getting you ready so you're fitting up there be one with the chief cornerstone be one with the sure foundation Jesus Christ is essential to Christianity there is no salvation apart from him let's bow our heads in prayer Please, no one looking about for a few moments, and if I could have just absolute quiet and no one moving about for just a few moments, <clears throat> I want to ask you a very serious question, a very personal question, especially for our visitors or even people that attend that are not saved. I, I, I want to ask you a question. First of all, I, I want you to be as honest as you possibly can. I promise not to embarrass you. While our heads are bowed in prayer, how many here say, "Preacher, I, I thank God. I have attached myself to the chief cornerstone, to the sure foundation, that Jesus Christ and Him alone is my personal Savior." And I thank God for it. Put your hand up. That's your testimony. Put it up high. That's your testimony. I know it. Thank you. you may put them down. God bless you. God bless you. Now, while our heads are still bowed in prayer. I would like to pray for you today if you're not saved. I will not embarrass you or point you out or call your name. A personal worker or two to help me. How many that couldn't raise your hand a moment ago would raise your hand and say, Preacher, I could not raise my hand. I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. I need to be. I want to be. I've thought about it. I'm considering it. But I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up? Would you do that quickly and let me pray for you? Put it up high until I see it. God bless you. They take it down after you raise it. Anyone else, quickly, downstairs, anyone? God bless you over here in the front. Thank you, young man. God bless you. Someone else, put it up high. God bless you, little lady. God bless you. Someone else, raise your hand, pray for me. I need to be saved. Anyone else? Anyone else? In the balcony. Anyone in the balcony? Just slip your hand up high until I see it and hold it. I need to be saved. I'm considering it. I want you to pray for me. Put your hand up high in the balcony. Let me pray for you. Put it up high and let me see it. Anyone up there? Anyone at all? quickly anyone else downstairs anyone else downstairs all right now I want to ask a second question I don't usually do on Sunday morning but I'd like to maybe you're here this morning and your heart is heavy you're here this morning and there's been much discouragement and disappointment in your life and 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 almost to the place where it's robbed you of your faith Jesus said I prayed for it your faith will not fail as you say preacher i I need something there's something missing there's something empty there's something wrong and and i really need some pray for me i wonder if you'd slip your hand up this morning god bless you a number of dear people thank you god bless you thank you let's stand together for prayer please father thank you for this service the good music how it fit in with the message that exalts jesus christ our lord your only begotten son now, father I, I pray for these who raise their hand folks raise their hand they said they weren't saved and they wanted to be saved and there's nothing to keep them from being saved if they are willing to accept Jesus Christ and completely rely upon him for their salvation salvation is there and I pray they would come and then I pray for these dear ones There might be some here whose hearts are heavy and they really need help and they really need prayer and they need a new touch from God and Whatever it is, Lord, if if they ought to come, then help them to come. Just bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts now, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake.
0: Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.